Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation made a promise to ensure we never forget. Since then, Tunnel to Towers has been committed to supporting America's heroes and their families. Heroes like U.S. Army Specialist Michael Hook. Hook was killed in Iraq when his helicopter was shot down. He enlisted in the military after graduating high school and left behind a pregnant fiancé who gave birth to a son that he would never meet. But thanks to the generosity of friends like you, Tunnel to Towers paid off the mortgage on his family's home, relieving a financial burden and bringing stability. The foundation helps Gold Star and Fallen First Responder families, as well as our nation's most severely injured heroes and homeless veterans. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. America's heroes are counting on you. 95 cents of every dollar you give goes directly to its programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices our heroes have made for us. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies, like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So I'm a father of what? I gotta find a babysitter. I found Care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your child care necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your child care needs. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Biden is almost 80 and looks worse every day in terms of his cognition, but Democrats will keep pretending the senile emperor has clothes no matter how much he exposes himself in public. He's not alone in being too old for the job, by the way. Dianne Feinstein's own staff says she can no longer perform her Senate duties. She's almost 90. Yet again, we see Democrats have no principle other than the pursuit and use of power. We'll get into the American government's senility problem and more in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold The Line, I'm Buck Sexton. I just wanna be very clear, I I don't like pointing out when anyone, political opponent, someone that I criticize in public life, is entering that phase where they're clearly uh, losing a step in terms of their cognition, entering the early stages of senility, dementia. It's a sad thing, and we all at some phase of our life will be in a stage of deterioration. Hopefully we live long enough to get to a place where we're not quite as acute and not quite as quick as we once were. So I I don't take any pleasure in pointing this stuff out, but this is the commander in chief. 
This is the head of the United States Armed Forces. This is the top of the executive branch. This is an individual whose decision-making, mental clarity, and ability to think through complex issues and be focused on them at all times is a matter that affects not just hundreds of millions of Americans, but really the whole world. And yet here is Joe Biden yesterday at a speech he gave on supply chain. Just watch this. America, God bless you all. Now, there are people who say that he was signaling and that he was wondering if he was going to shake hands with people or not. Others said that it looked like he was trying to shake the hand of somebody who wasn't there. Uh, you know what? We'll give the benefit of the doubt on that. Fine. But it did just look like an old man who was confused about where to go and how to go. And this is not the first time. This is just one of many times that Joe Biden does not seem to be where he is at any point in time. Now, this is increasingly something that you're probably going to see the media talking about because Joe Biden as a political brand is in decline as well. The Hunter Biden laptop story, which has now been, quote, confirmed by major news outlets, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, that's not going away. And 10% for the big guy and the possibility of the exposure of major Biden family corruption and how that would hamper, that would, that would uh, hinder any efforts Biden may have going forward for reelection, this is all in play at this stage. In fact, there are some who think that it's uh, possible, perhaps even likely, that after the midterm election, the Democrats will be scrambling to come up with some kind of a plan to have this individual who does not seem to be, nor has ever seemed to be, up to the job, and let's be honest, is not doing a good job, replaced. And you look at the polls, we talked about some of this on the show yesterday, when you have a lower approval rating than any president in modern memory at this stage of a presidency. I mean, he's only one year in, and on every major issue, it is a disaster. Uh, this is not a particularly bright fellow. This is not somebody with real leadership skills. He's a party hack. He's a machine politician of the Democrat uh, apparatus. And the fact that, the, that they used a pandemic year to shoehorn this guy into the Oval Office is just appalling, honestly. This was always reckless. And the age issue alone should have really been a disqualifier for him. I'll say this. Donald Trump is getting close to a place where his age could be considered a real vulnerability for election purposes. Joe Biden is past that line, though. I mean, Joe Biden running for a second term, for example, would just seem to be utterly reckless. But then again, you look at Dianne Feinstein, who is 88 years old. Okay, Dianne Feinstein, Democrat, was uh, head of the Senate Intelligence Committee for many, many years. She's 88 years old, and her mental condition has deteriorated. This is from the San Francisco Chronicle. This is not from some right-wing blog. Four U.S. senators, including three Democrats, as well as three former Feinstein staffers and the California Democratic member of Congress, told the Chronicle in recent interviews her memory is rapidly deteriorating. They said it appears she can no longer fulfill her job duties without her staff doing much of the work required to represent the nearly 40 million people of California. Now, if they're saying this to a newspaper, it's because it has been going on for a long time and they can no longer hide this anymore. So they're trying to get ahead of it. But why hasn't she already resigned? 
Why, why did it have to go to this point? Why is it acceptable in American politics that people now hold office almost as though it's a, a hereditary title? They hold it all until the very end of their lives. We live in a country of 330 million people. There are plenty of folks who are talented and capable who can do these jobs who are not forgetting what they said this morning when it's time for the press conference in the afternoon. I mean, truly forgetting it, as in they don't have the mental capacity uh, to go forward anymore and do this job. So this is another time when we should say term limits, which never actually get enacted because the people that have to enact them are the people that would be constricted by them, and they don't want to do that. A lot of them want to be lifetime politicians. This is who they are. This identity, this, this sense of power and importance is critical to their very sense of being. But we need to change this. Uh, this is not the way our system should be run. We should not have people who are already incapable of functioning intellectually, making massive decisions, just because they've been in the role and have the donor network necessary and the name recognition necessary to get elected. I mean, at some point, this is just an ethical duty. Here's an anonymous lawmaker to the San Francisco Chronicle. I have worked with Feinstein for a long time and long enough to know what she was like just a few years ago. Always in command, always in charge on top of the details. Basically couldn't resist a conversation where she was driving some bill or some idea. All of that is gone. She was an intellectual and political force not that long ago. But there's just no trace of that now. Friends, this is sad. This is, she should be spending time with family. She should be around loved ones. She should not be making decisions that affect you and me by, pass, by, uh, by voting in the United States Senate. It, it's way past time for her to give this up. Look at this list of the oldest senators uh, in the United States right now. Feinstein, 88 years old. Grassley, 88 years old. Inhofe, 87 years old. Shelby, 87 years old. Patrick Leahy, 82 years old. Friends, these people are too old for these jobs. This, this, is, this should not happen anymore. And yet here we are having to have a conversation about not just term limits as in how many terms, but how old you can be and hold office. If there is a lower age limit to be the United States president, if there's a lower age limit to be a United States senator, which there are constitutionally, Shouldn't we consider now that people routinely live into their 80s and even 90s an upper age limit? Shouldn't we think about a constitutional, a constitutional amendment perhaps to restrict how old somebody can be when they run for yet another term or at least restrict how many terms? And the fact that Joe Biden has been a United States senator before he was a vice president, president, basically as long as I've been alive, I'm 40 years old. This is just, this is absurd. Here are the average, uh, average age of Congress, by the way. In the House, it's 58 years old. In the Senate, it's 63 years old. The people making our decisions are past the prime working, thinking, and energy years of their lives, overwhelmingly. That should not be the case. And yet here we are. You see this with Joe Biden. I think this is going to have to be a serious national conversation at some point, although the left won't want to do it because some of their most powerful politicians, like Pelosi, for example, are too old, but don't want to give it up. The length of congressional service, just to give you a sense of where we are here with term limits since 1789, it, uh, it, the, the current average in the Senate is 11 years. The House is 8.9 years. I mean, look, look at this. Average years of service just gone straight up. Um, why? People should serve for a period and then go back into civilian life. That would be so much better, wouldn't it? Democrats, though, they're reckless. All right, the legal battle to prevent President Biden from opening the floodgates on the southern border continues. 
as 21 states have signed up to sue the administration over its decision to lift Title 42. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt joins us to discuss that when we come back. Right now, I want to tell you about the newest sponsor to hold the line, the Silencer Shop. I'm a big supporter of the Second Amendment, as you know, and for a lot of gun owners, a suppressor is a must. I've fired with suppressors lots. Let me tell you, they improve your hearing, they help your accuracy, they just make the whole shooting experience more fun. Suppressors are legal in 43 states, so if you want to practice safe, accurate shooting, the best way is to get your suppressor through the Silencer Shop. They've got a variety of suppressors, and they start at about $365. The Silencer Shop are the industry leaders for suppressors. They're based in Texas, and they have great customer service for you. They'll treat you like family. That's why their customer service reviews are amazing. Go to Trustpilot. You'll see 4.9 out of 5 stars, tens of thousands of reviews. Get more details now on the Silencer Shop at silencershop.com. That's silencershop.com or on Instagram at instagram.com slash silencershop. Get your suppressor. Trust me. It's worth it to go through the process and really enjoy your shooting experience that much more. Plus, they look really cool in photo. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. There's a battle going on right now that may be the most important fight our country's had since the Revolutionary War. Once again, it's about our freedom. People like you and me are being canceled. Our speech increasingly censored by big tech and corporate media. Can't let that happen. Time to fight back. Please stand with us and support The First TV. Be a part of our team dedicated to preserving the very essence of who we are, free Americans. America's southern border remains wide open, and although the left may not want to call it a crisis, the influx of migrants continues to overwhelm our Border Patrol and ICE officials. The Biden administration's decision to remove Title 42 is expected to compound the issue, but thankfully we have some patriots left in office that are fighting back. At least 21 states have now announced that they plan on suing the Biden administration to prevent the order from being lifted. Last night, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, who stated as among those who've signed on to the suit, tweeted, Today we filed a motion for a preliminary injunction in our lawsuit against the Biden administration for their cancellation of Title 42, which is a critical tool for border security. Joining me now to discuss is Missouri Attorney General and candidate for United States Senate Eric Schmidt. Attorney General Schmidt, thanks for being here. Great to be with you, Buck. Let's just start with what, what happens with, when Title 42 goes away to your state? I mean, you're not near the border, but it does kind of feel like every state's a border state under the Biden regime. That's exactly right. I mean, every state's a border state. The problems, the illegal activity, the drugs, the human trafficking, it doesn't stop in El Paso. It doesn't stop in McAllen, Texas. It finds its way to St. Louis and Kansas City and Columbus, Ohio and Baltimore, Denver, everywhere. The cartels are running the show down there, Buck. I've been to the border twice. Uh, there's $100 million a week, one, border, one uh, law enforcement official told us, in human smuggling alone. That doesn't include the drugs. That doesn't include you know, the fentanyl that's being dumped in our communities, killing people at a clip that we've never seen before. It's a leading cause of death now, those overdoses for 18 to 40 years old. So it's a mess. We've seen waves and waves of illegal immigration under the Biden administration. I mean, this is going to be a tidal wave. This is going to be a tsunami because he's, you know, attempting to do this at a time where you would see a seasonal surge anyway. So without Title 42, which accounts for about 50 percent of the expulsions, it's going to be a mess. You add that on top of the uh, uh, paying contractors to actually not construct the border wall. Missouri and Texas have filed suit on that. Also, the Remain in Mexico policy, which we've won at the Supreme Court on President Trump's policy that made Mexico the waiting room. Biden reversed that and just released people into the interior of the United States waiting for the asylum, their asylum claims never to be seen again. Um, we've sued on that. We've won. 
gone back to lower courts. We're fighting with them to get implemented. That'll be in, in back in front of the Supreme Court later this month. So there's a lot going on. But Title 42 is a very effective measure of expel, expelling illegal uh, immigrants as they come here. And that, you know, according to Joe Biden, he wants it to go away. By the way, you're not the only one uh, who is concerned about this. In fact, there are Democrat senators who are concerned about this. You've got statements from senators like the following. Cinema of Arizona, Democrat, the decision to announce an end to Title 42, despite not yet having a comprehensive plan ready, shows a lack of understanding about the crisis at our border. Senator Hassan of New Hampshire uh, said that ending Title 42 prematurely will likely lead to a migrant surge that the administration does not appear to be ready for. I mean, that, that seems apparent right now, Attorney General Schmidt, but what do you think the Biden administration is going to do? I mean, e even Democrats are saying there's going to be a lot more people coming into the country illegally when Title 42 ends. So what's the plan? Is there any plan? Well, I think from a political perspective, hopefully there's enough pushback from members of his own party to reconsider this. From a legal perspective, we're going to do everything we can uh, to block it before that you know, May date in which they intend to lift the Title 42 uh, restrictions that, again, were very effective under President Trump. Just a year and a half ago under President Trump, we had a secure border. Now you see you know, seven to 8,000 people uh, a day coming across illegally, that number likely would surge to 18,000. That's 500,000 a month. If you put it in context, if you were to extrapolate out over Biden's four-year term, um, that is 30 million people coming here illegal, illegally. That is the size of Texas. That is five Missouris. And so I don't think we're having traditional political debates in this country right now, Buck. The Democrats want to pack the Supreme Court. They want to add states to the union. They want to federalize elections. They want to fundamentally change this country forever. This is another piece to it. So it's up to us in our system of federalism as states to push back, and now's the time. Whenever the Biden administration seems to have a problem, immigration among them, we can always count on Jen Psaki to put the blame on somebody else. Watch this one. It has been a longstanding open invitation. Uh, any Republican who wants to work with us on immigration reform, you're invited. Let's have a conversation. We have not seen uh, an expression of that interest uh, across the board. So you, you're wanting Republicans to go to you. The White House is not reaching out then to any. We have conversations with Democrats and Republicans all the time, Jackie, but I think it's clear what we're seeing from Republicans is an effort to politicize this and not fix what we all recognize as an outdated and broken system. I mean, what, what is that even supposed to fix the system? How? They won't, there are laws, they won't enforce the laws. That's why the system is broken. Yeah, it's the same administration, by the way, that lectures us about, you know, the sovereignty of other countries' borders, um, but has completely let go of the rope here on our own southern border. We, there is lawlessness happening at a level we've not seen before. Um, as I mentioned, the cartels control the border. They are using their, uh, you know, uh, they're trafficking uh, avenues throughout the United States to traffic people and drugs in a number we've never seen before. Uh, and the Biden administration continues to signal that that is actually going to accelerate. And so they're, you know, waving the white flag here. They're not serious about solving any of these issues, because if they were, you'd have a border wall, you'd have remained in Mexico, you'd have Title 42, you'd have a secure border like you had under President Trump. But this is political, like it is for everything with this administration. And it's a complete failure. I mean, the federal government is supposed to be a government of limited powers. One of those things it's actually supposed to do is to secure the border. And they've completely failed now for over a year, and it's about to get much, much worse. What do you think is the, is the legal explanation? Can, can there be one for 
Title 42 ending as it pertains to our southern border, but the extension now by, I believe, two weeks of the federal mask mandate on travel, airplanes, trains, etc. How can the pandemic be over for border purposes, but not for flying in the sky purposes? Yeah, because this whole operation, Buck, has been completely political as it relates to COVID from day one from the Biden administration. You had the teachers unions uh, pressuring the CDC uh, to force five-year-olds to wear masks all day long when we know now that masks are ineffective. It's why, by the way, I've sued 40-plus school districts in Missouri to stop that from happening here. Um, but the CDC signaled that that's okay. They're wrong. We know that there are long-term implications social, emotional, psychological issues for the forced masking of kids. It's completely inconsistent. The filtration systems in airplanes are some of the best you're going to find anywhere, but they don't want to let go of it, Buck, because what this has always been about for them is power and control. It's not about science. It's not about data. And so they're going to hold on to this as long as they can. And by the way, it's a roadmap because they've seen the kind of power they try to accumulate and aggregate and exert in this vision they have of a dystopian biomedical security state, they're going to use the same playbook. They don't call it climate change anymore, if you notice. They call it a climate emergency. You watch, the next round of this stuff is going to be, well, the sea levels are rising, and it's an existential threat, and we can't wait any longer. So we're going to empower the EPA to do X, Y, and Z under an emergency order. And the pathway to tyranny is paved with these emergency executive orders. And again, it's going to be us to stop. It's going to be up to us to stop it. And I think Americans by and large, Buck, want their country back. It's been the freest country in the history of the world. We want that back. That's not too much to ask. That's our God-given right. And we also want to secure borders. So Joe Biden, his administration, has got this completely wrong. And by the way, it's also why his poll numbers are terrible. Before we let you go, Mr. Attorney General Schmidt, you're running for a United States Senate seat. If you get that seat, what are your top priorities? What are you going to do? Well, I think we need to make sure you look at what's happening at the pump right now. Um, we need to be energy independent, energy dominant again, like we were under President Trump. We need to be a net exporter of energy to our uh, freedom-loving friends across the world. I think we need to continue to move forward with lower taxes. We need to absolutely dismantle the administrative state. It's one thing I've done as Attorney General, winning on the OSHA vaccine mandate, winning on the Remain in Mexico. I want to take that same fighting spirit to the United States Senate. We need fighters right now to save America. I believe we're you know, in the most consequential time in our in our nation's history in many ways, because freedom is on the line. Are we going to remain the freest country in the history of the world? Are we going to be like, you know, everybody else or some, you know, uh, socialistic uh, enterprise in Europe? So we need fighters in D.C. That's what I'm going to do. That's been my record. And uh, I'm excited about the opportunity. Appreciate you being with us, Attorney General for the state of Missouri. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Buck. Coming up, a real David and Goliath story as a family-owned bakery fights to make good on a $33 million court settlement against a woke college that destroyed their reputation and their business with completely baseless accusations of racism. I'll take a look at the case of Gibson's Bakery versus Oberlin College in the Buck Brief tonight. First, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. These companies that promise your privacy is guaranteed are lying to you. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to anyone knowing you're not being spied on by big tech. 
This is your solution. Secure. $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. The Buck Brief is moments away. Stay with us. Here's an important story you may not know. Earlier this month, an Ohio appeals court upheld a ruling that forced Oberlin College to pay more than $30 million to a local bakery for ruining its business with completely baseless accusations of racism. You might remember the story of Gibson's Bakery a little bit. It got some media coverage. Back in 2016, three Oberlin students were caught shoplifting from this local eatery, convenience store, has a few things there. And they attacked a staff member when they were confronted about the theft. The trio was arrested and they were convicted of the crime because they committed the crime, but not before publicly accusing the bakery of racial profiling because they called the cops on the thieves. The resulting backlash from both Oberlin students and administrator, uh, administrators destroyed this family-owned business, multi-generation business. In 2019, a court ordered Oberlin College to pay $33 million for defamation, a ruling that was upheld earlier this month. So that's it, right? Justice served. Well, as it turns out, Oberlin College is simply refusing to pay up. Let's take a closer look at this story, the politics around it, and what's going to happen next in tonight's Buck Brief. There are laws on the books about defamation, about libel, and about slander for good reason. Reputational damage and particularly taking concerted action against someone's business, tortious interference with the operations of a business, for example, are real harms, harms that should be addressed in law. Here's what happened with Oberlin College. There were three students who were black who were stealing from a bakery. One was stealing a bottle of wine. The employee said, hey, what are you doing? You're not allowed to do that. And then a scuffle ensued when one of the three attacked physically that employee. The police were called. The police made arrests. These three were prosecuted and found guilty of the theft and also one of the uh, assault here. So what does Oberlin College do? Because they're Oberlin College students. Oh, Oberlin College decides to pass out flyers saying that Gibson's Bakery has a long-standing history of racist practices. But was there any basis for that whatsoever? Were there other incidents like this? Had, had Gibson's Bakery ever done anything, in fact, before this incident, which was clearly not racist, it's a store trying to stop theft? No, the answer was there was no history of any kind of racism or any issues whatsoever. But these are leftists. And they want a virtue signal, even if it's on the ashes of a multi-generational family business, the destruction of people's livelihoods, because, you know, wokeness. So that's why this $30 million judgment is so important. Oberlin put out a statement after the recent ruling. They're obviously disappointed the appeals court affirmed the judgment in its ruling. We are reviewing the court's opinion carefully as we evaluate our options and determine next steps. Look, they may be able to appeal this to the state Supreme Court. But at the end of the day, they may actually have to pay, and they should. Because really, what is the claim here being made by Oberlin College, that this is a, a free speech issue? Well, no, it's actually beyond that. Because here's a flyer that was distributed by Oberlin College in front of Gibson's Bakery the day after the incident. It reads, 
don't buy. This is a racist establishment with a long account of racial profiling and discrimination. Today, we urge you to shop elsewhere in light of a particularly heinous event involving the owners of this establishment and local law enforcement. Please stand with us. Uh, this was all a lie. This was all a complete and utter fabrication about this history of race, uh, racist past and, and all these other things that are said in the flyer. No, but Oberlin College saw three black students of the college engaged in criminal behavior who were embarrassed and then attacked this individual who actually was a son of the owner who was trying to prevent theft in, within his store. And they decided wokeness and social justice means that we're going to side with the thieves and destroy the local business and also take action against the bakery as it pertains to the college. Because you see, Gibson Bakery used to give pastries and other things, used to have an agreement to provide some of its goods and services directly to the Oberlin cafeteria. They also cut that off. So they defamed the establishment, this family-run establishment. They cut off direct business that they're doing with the establishment, make a public case that they had to cut off the business because of the fake racism and past racism that they accused the bakery of that didn't actually exist. And why? Because they felt like it. Because they think this is what social justice and wokeness actually means. It means you have to be willing to ruin people's lives for the amusement of the left-wing mob? For what exactly here? And think of really the message that is being sent. Uh, why would Oberlin College officially, as an institution, it's been around a long time, it's a well-known school, why would they take the side of thieves? Did they take any action whatsoever against these students for the, the theft? No, of course not. Instead of saying, hey, we don't like when our students are associated with stealing from people and violating criminal law in the process and assaulting somebody who doesn't like the theft that's underway, Oberlin College, because it's super woke and left wing, decides we're going to destroy the person who was wronged in the first place, who was stolen from and assaulted by our students. Does anybody think that Oberlin College would have done this if it were three white students? If they had stolen and then attacked uh, somebody because they were caught stealing? No, of course not, because then Oberlin's leftists wouldn't see some social justice narrative here. They wouldn't see racism or, uh, or racial profiling somehow involved. By the way, what does it say that Oberlin believes that it's racial profiling when you catch someone who is actually stealing? That's not racial profiling. That's just watching someone steal and saying, hey, don't do that. But it doesn't matter, right? These are libs. They're leftists. Reality is irrelevant to them. And by the way, the Gibson family uh, bakery is not done with all this either. Here's the Gibson family attorney, Lee Placas, claiming the bakery is still being targeted for harassment to this day. When the college sponsored new student tours, the student tour leaders who are students paid by the college go by and tell the students and parents in the group that Gibson's is a racist establishment and we don't go there. To this day, they are still going forward with this lie. We cannot have a society that considers itself to be just when institutions, institutions that have a lot of students that are getting federal loans, institutions that exist in states that have laws about things like defamation and 
uh, interference with business practices. There's a reason tort law exists, friends. It, we cannot have a just society if people can destroy people through obviously false allegations of racism because they feel like it. Because they feel like it. We, we, we do not live in a just country, a fair country, if that is going on. So there must be consequences for these actions. Let's hope that Gibson's ends up getting a $30 million check from Oberlin College. There may be one more legal hurdle before that happens, but we'll continue to watch for it because this is an important story. It shows you, honestly, how evil the woke left really is and who they side with and who they don't. All right, we'll be right back. But first, let's talk about protecting your most valuable asset, your home. Look, look, you know me. I'm skeptical by nature. So I heard about home title theft. I'm like, really? They can steal your home online? It's not like they can put it on a you know, on a trolley or just move it, right? Steal your home. Oh no, they steal the value of your home with home title theft. They forge your signature on a quit claim deed because this is all online. And then that person is in a legal sense seen as the owner of your home. They take out loans against your home and you get stuck with the payments. So this is a big problem, friends. And common identity theft services do not protect you. That's why you need home title lock. Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home title. The instant they detect anyone messing with your home's title, they help shut it down. So look, go to HomeTitleLock.com now. Read the testimonials from FBI agents and government officials. And then next, register your address to see if you're already a victim and you don't even know it yet. When you protect your home, tell them Buck Sexton sent you. Get my listener discount. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Overnight, Russian forces targeted the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv with long-range cruise missiles after confirming the sinking of its Black Sea flagship, the missile cruiser Moskva. Uh, uh, there are conflicting reports as to what caused the ship to go down. Ukraine claims it struck the vessel with a pair of anti-ship missiles. Russia's insisting, of course, the sinking was caused by a fire. Neither explanation is good news for the Russian Navy. Meanwhile, Moscow has reportedly sent a diplomatic note to President Biden warning him to stop arming Ukraine with weapons after he approved an additional $800 million in military aid. With no signs of letting up, is everyone settling in for a long war? Let's ask senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, Bill Roggio. Bill, good to see you as always. Thanks, Buck. Always a pleasure. So first, if you would update us on where the U.S. Uh, military, where the Pentagon stands on this warship incident, what are our analysts over here saying, and what is the significance of this strike? Yeah, the U.S. military is now saying that they believe that uh, Ukrainian missiles, uh, these are Neptune missiles, they're developed uh, based on an old Soviet design, um, developed by the Ukrainians, that two of these missiles struck the Moscow, the flagship of the Russian fleet in the Black Sea. Um, it's one ship in, uh, of many, uh, but it is the flagship. At the very least, this is a looks very bad for the Russians, whether it was hit with missiles or whether there was an explosion. It's also a very old ship, over 40 years old. It was commissioned in the early 1980s. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 it's a black eye for the Russians regardless, but I don't think it's going to hamper the war effort all that greatly. The one thing that this ship did do is provide air defense for for the uh, Russian military in the Black Sea, not just on the in the sea, but on the ground as well. So that might be difficult to, to replace. That's probably the biggest problem that the Russians will have with losing this ship. There were reports earlier this week from Ukrainian forces defending the city of Mariupol that several of them had suffered injuries consistent with some kind of chemical weapon attack. What do you make of that? I mean, is there any possibility of truth in that account? 
I think it's highly unlikely that the, that happened. That those reports died down very quickly. It, you gotta understand fighting in a city um, and, and where this incident took place. It's a steel plant. Uh, there's a lot of chemicals lying around, and then you're fighting inside a city where gasoline and diesel fuel and tires and rubbers and plastics and everything is burning. None of the symptoms seem to indicate any type of chemical or biological weapons attacks, and the reports quickly died down. I, I, I'm highly suspect of the report. It came from the Azov Battalion, which in itself makes it quite suspect. So um, given that we haven't heard anything further about this, I, I suspect that that was you know, a, a propaganda attempt by the Ukrainians. How is this war actually going right now for both sides? I mean, what, how do you assess where we are versus Putin's uh, aims from the beginning? Um, how much longer does it look like this is going to go on for? Do we have any idea? I mean, it feels like we've settled into this Ukraine is in a war and it could go as long as it goes mentality. Yeah, this, you know, it was looking very grim for the Ukrainians at the, be at the beginning. And, you know, I would have thought this would have lasted four to eight weeks, given how quickly the Russians um, advanced on Kiev and the, the territory they took in the south and the east. The Ukrainians put up, have put up a stiffer fight, um, and this war is going to go much, much longer. I mean, I still would describe this as, as a stalemate at this point. The Russians have made significant gains in the south and east, but failed in Kiev. So this war is going to it could it could last years at this rate. The I don't think the sanctions are having the effect that people thought they were going to have. Um, Russian losses in and around Kiev didn't lead to the collapse of the Russian military. They're still, albeit slowly, advancing in the south and in the east. And and I always felt that the south and east was the real game, real aims of the Russians. The Russians are have not, are not nowhere near achieving it, but have made significant gains in in getting there. So. You know, I think we could be looking at months, if not, you know, well over a year, as, as long as the Russians could sustain their operations, which I think we're 50 days in. Remember, we were told they had no morale. They ran out of gas. They run out of equipment. They, uh, you know, they failed. But, you know, that really, when you see the fight extend like this, a lot of these things that we heard in the beginning, these these uh, memes that we've heard about, they, you know, they, they just haven't lasted. And it's going to be a much longer war than I think everybody suspected. The Ukrainian people continue to find uh, atrocities committed by Russian troops. Mass graves have been found in, in Bucha, where officials now say they've uncovered 403 bodies, more than 1,200 across the Kyiv region. Some leaders, including Biden, are starting to use the term genocide in conversation. Uh, is that a characterization that you think could have implications for, for policy, for future action from the international community? What, what do you make of it? We need to be very careful about the terms we use when describing what has happened with the Ukrainian civil civilians and what the Russians have done. There is a very, very big difference between a war crime and a massacre and genocide. Genocide is the intentional destruction of an entire people or nation or race. We know what that looks like with the Holocaust. We know what it looks like in Rwanda with Pol Pot and Cambodia or Mao and China in the in the in the sixties. You know, this is when millions, hundreds of thousands of millions are are intentionally being rounded up and killed. That's not what we're seeing. What we're seeing is the Russian committed war crimes. But when we use terms like genocide, it, it can lead to the intervention 
of the US and, and allied countries of NATO. And we have to keep in mind that Russia is a is a nuclear power and the US, we spent decades of the Cold War of keeping a firewall between the US and Russia. So there wasn't an unintentional nuclear war. And we almost saw we, we almost saw what happened when that firewall comes down with the Cuban Missile Crisis. And thanks, thankfully that didn't happen. Um, we need to be very careful when we use terms like genocide so as not to get un, unintentionally get involved in a war that can have very serious ramifications. We've seen high profile leaders like Boris Johnson going to Kiev to show their support of Ukraine. Saki uh, has said that they are not sending Joe Biden, at least as of yet, to Ukraine. Do you think he should go? Is that something that would mean a lot in terms of uh, support, you know, psychological and, and emotional support for the regime from the U.S. side? Or should we just keep sending the guns, the missiles and things they need to fight? Um, I'm a military man, so the guns missiles to me are far more important, but President Biden appearing in Kyiv would certainly be a morale booster and which it would really show the support of the United States. Obviously having both would, would send a very powerful, both the guns, the missiles and President Biden visiting Kyiv would be a very powerful message, but it is still dangerous. The Russians are still conducting strikes in the area and the U.S. Uh, Secret Service is very, very protective and very careful about sending a president in the war zone. So I wouldn't expect to see that happen. Bill, always appreciate your expertise, sir. Good to see you. Thanks and have a happy Easter to you and all your watchers. You too. Thousands have already been killed during Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell is concerned, it seems, about the war's impact on the environment. This was stunning. We'll have video for you in tonight's Quick Hits. Stay right there. The founder of American-made company Home Depot calls President Joe Biden worse than Jimmy Carter. Fair, tough, but fair. And airline CEOs are sick and tired of mask mandates, obviously, because they're stupid. They don't do anything except harass good people who aren't crazy. Time for tonight's Quick Hits. Let's get into it. Um, if you want to understand how much a bunch of zealots the left really are, understand that they can make anything about their agenda. So they'll be covering a war, let's say, where there is tremendous human suffering. What's going on in Ukraine is absolutely awful. And the Russian government, Vladimir Putin, is appalling for what they're doing there. But even still, the left will have, the Democrats will have a moment where they go, oh, you, you know what would be horrible if this was a casualty of the war as well? The Green New Deal. Um, and our green agenda, that's really important too in the midst of all this suffering because they're brainwashed uh, lunatics, basically. I mean, here's MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell, not a smart woman, by the way, saying that the war in Ukraine is hurting the climate goals of Joe Biden. The political impact at home, first of all, you've got inflationary pressure, real pressure in a midterm election year. You also have environmentalists criticizing the president because of his focus on increasing the supply of fossil fuels through the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, through ethanol now, uh, the increase of ethanol in, in the summer gas component. Uh, all of this is hurting the environmental goals, the climate goals of candidate Joe Biden. Mm. Yeah, that's a big problem. Some of you really care about the climate goals. There's a war going on. One of the countries involved has lots of nukes, more nukes than any other country in the world. But let's be worried about, you know, the CO2 emissions from it all. Home Depot founder Ken Langone 
he's a straight shooter. He doesn't mess around. And he understands business. He understands capitalism. He understands the bottom line. And the bottom line of this Biden administration is that it's awful. And here's how he assesses it vis-a-vis -vis some other presidents who are pretty awful. Watch. And you can only fix inflation one way. That's to tighten down. And who gets hurt? Again, these poor people that are struggling for a check that the same people he says he wants to help, he's hurting. Do you think he's become Jimmy Carter? Oh, I think he's worse than Jimmy Carter. Worse than Jimmy Carter. I think that's true. Jimmy Carter was at least of sound mind and is a reason, reasonably bright fellow if a poor leader with no real vision for the country and who had a terrible record while actually president. But, you know, he wasn't senile. And he didn't have quite the same degree of problems across the board that Joe Biden has, looks like he's created. It's not just like he inherited these things. So there's a mask mandate on planes. They've extended it again. This is totally abuse. It's insane. The people that push this stuff are morons. And here's the American Airlines and Delta CEO who both disagree with Biden on the mask mandate. They say customers and employees are okay with no masks. No one wants to do this anymore. Watch. We think from the pandemic stage to the endemic stage, and we need to learn how to live with it without being so restrictive. Are you comfortable with your passengers dropping masks now? I think our customers are comfortable uh, dropping masks. I think our employees are tired of wearing masks. Our employees, especially on, those, on board those flights, are tired of policing masks. Honestly, any, any airline employee who, who is, is still policing masking at this point is, is a stupid fascist and should be ashamed of themselves. That's the truth. They really should be. It's appalling. You don't have to do it. No one's going to arrest you if you don't say, mask up between bites. It's not going to happen, okay? Ah, and then here's NASA Administrator Bill Nelson, who's announced a 2022 action equity plan for inclusiveness and stuff like that at NASA. Watch. The Biden-Harris administration is committed to building a more diverse and inclusive America. And therefore, at NASA, all of our missions, whether it's in space or here on Earth, they're going to require equal opportunity. And so today we're releasing NASA's 2022 Equity Action Plan. It outlines this agency's strategy to improve fairness and to try to give more opportunities for Americans across the country. NASA is going to continue to seek opportunities to bridge the gaps, especially in underserved communities. It's not equality of opportunity, it's equity of opportunity, which is just a fancy way of saying they're going to change standards for some preferred minority groups and pretend like they're not changing the standards and then act like, why is anybody bringing up their change standards? because that's what they're going to do, and they're going to then lie about it, and they're going to say, if you bring that up, you're a bad person. What happens all this is what diversity and inclusion is all about. Change the standards for some at the expense of others, eliminate merit, and then say, hey, why are you asking questions about what we did here with the standards? What's that all about? That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Have a great weekend. Shields high. There's a battle going on right now that may be the most important fight our country's had since the Revolutionary War. Once again, it's about our freedom. People like you and me are being canceled, our speech increasingly censored by big tech and corporate media. Can't let that happen. Time to fight back. 
Please stand with us and support The First TV. Be a part of our team dedicated to preserving the very essence of who we are, free Americans. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, our service members, and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. These are heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responders, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us. We're honoring the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Not to mention there are dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details an official message from medicare a new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs maybe you can save too with medicare's extra help program my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low who should apply single people making less than twenty-three thousand dollars a year or married couples who make less than thirty-one thousand dollars a year even if you don't think you qualify it pays to find out go to ssa.gov extra help Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information.